plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, fans, and welcome into the Wednesday, September the 27th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your somewhat healthier host, Travis Winkfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we spend our, our final episode on the horrific loss at the Meadowlands, taking a deep dive into the film from that game. And Lawrence Timmons returns. What does that mean for the Miami Dolphins? That and much, much more on today's podcast. But first, I have to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, or wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and drop us a five-star rating, write us a nice little review. The subscriptions, ratings, and reviews are how podcasters are judged. The more we get, the higher we go up on the iTunes chart, the more it exposes me to more Dolphins and helps the show grow and get more support and keep on going. So please do that for us. And don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at WinkfieldNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out my website, 3rd10.com. The week three quarterback grades and film study are coming up here real soon. Probably going to have it for Thursday or Friday. And let's not waste any time bearing the lead on the show today and go ahead and talk about the fact that Lawrence Timmons returns to the Dolphins for his first game with the team. His debut will come Sunday against the New Orleans Saints in London, depend, or, uh, assuming everything goes well for him. You know, it was a really bizarre situation that happened with him in week one. And then all the details that kind of came out following that were there's not really a lot of clarity on it yet, but there's still some things we can kind of chew on here. And just the whole visit to the Pittsburgh Steelers practice before the opener for the Dolphins when they're on that bye week, that's a really strange situation. I know the Dolphins have kind of had this unsuccessful pipeline coming down from Pittsburgh, whether it was Mike Wallace or if you go back to the Ryan Clark visit years and years ago when he was going to come side the Dolphins and then decided to just kind of parlay that offer into a bigger deal from the Steelers. Joey Porter worked out for one year. Other than that, not so much. And then now you get Lawrence Timmons in this whole situation, but I don't know that that would necessarily give you any sense of relationship there between those two. But the situation is strange because he goes back to Pittsburgh where he spent his whole career, 101 consecutive starts. We all know about that. He was a, a linchpin to that defense for a long time. And he comes down here to be the linchpin of the Dolphins defense. And the reason I call him that is because, yeah, we have Cam Wake as a pass rusher. Yeah, we have Ndamukong Sue as the interior guy that does everything and just dominates every game he plays. And Rashad Jones has the back end. But Lawrence Timmons kind of was going to transition the Dolphins defense into what they were hoping to be this year, a more keep everything in front of you, create turnovers, and give the ball back to a supposed-to-be-high-powered offense and 
just be a, a positive turnover team that takes the ball away and makes big plays rather than kind of you know being able to get three and outs consistently like the Seahawks defense or the Ravens defense or those other historically good defenses that do a good job of keeping teams from even gaining any yards. So without him out there, the linebackers slow way down. You get a lot less speed on the field. You get a lot less versatility on the field with Mike Hole and Jace, or, uh, Chase Allen. Excuse me. And one of my favorite quotes I heard from one of my favorite football people, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network and of the Move the Sticks podcast, was that show me a team that doesn't have any speed and I'll show you a bad football team. And I think that kind of pertains to the Dolphins linebackers right now. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that, that those linebackers are costing the Dolphins games or that they cost them this game last Sunday. But Lawrence Timmons definitely frees things up for you, allows you to do more things with Kiko Alonso, allows you to do more things with the pass rush and the safeties and everything. It just all kind of revolves around what he can do. And that was kind of why he came in on that huge guaranteed contract that he got, where he got 90% of his money guaranteed. They brought him down here so he could help in man coverage, so he could help with the blitzing packages on on the on passing downs, and help with also run blitzing too. So those were three areas he was really going to help this team. And without him, you don't have that blitzer. Kiko Alonso is taking over those responsibilities, and he's a useless blitzer. He has been pretty bad in zone coverage. We'll get to that here in a minute. But he kind of relegates Kiko to a, a different role in that sense. And then you also probably just go with Chase Allen now, I'd imagine, over Mike Hole because Chase Allen, frankly, has has played decently in his first two games. Uh, I mean, I mean, obviously much better than Mike Hole so far. And then we'll see what happens with Stephon Anthony. But nonetheless, Lawrence Timmons is back. It's good news for the Dolphins' defense. They needed this boost. I, I can't sit here and speculate on what the story was behind that, how the apology went to Adam Gaze or what the situation was like. I really have no idea. I imagine something rather dramatic happened where they allowed him to come back because an indefinite suspension usually you would think that means more than one or two games which you know it was one game after the fact that it had happened so he missed two games comes back for the third game and here we are talking about it before the calendar even turns to October talking about a pretty serious offense from a, a Dolphins player so good to have him back we'll see him for the game in New Orleans and the sacrificial lamb from his roster move is Justin March Lilliard, the linebacker that came over from Kansas City after the, the uh, final roster cuts were made before the season started. So he's gone. Lawrence Timmons back, probably going to start Sunday against the Saints. And i got to remind you guys, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of all things Dolphins. I'm your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL. And coming up next, the film study from Sunday's loss in the Meadowlands. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first ever painting. Mm, all right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. All right, so I mentioned at the top of the show how the best way to help the podcast is writing a review on iTunes and subscribing to the podcast. Well, those ratings and reviews can also help you guys in a way, and here's how, with ProFootballFocus.com. ProFootballFocus is the premier football grading website on the internet. They do player grades, snap counts, positional ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, and charts, NFL draft coverage with PFF profiles and college stats, PFF fantasy, DFS, draft articles, team and player pages featuring those PFF stats. It's a great thing if you're a Dolphins fan. It's a great thing if you're a fan of the NFL. And if you watch the Sunday night games on NBC, they have the positional grades or ranks at the bottom of the screen on the start 
starting lineups. That is from PFF, profootballfocus.com. What is PFF doing? They are giving away an edge subscription to one lucky winner per week. All you have to do is go ahead and go into the iTunes rating and review and write a review on the show. Leave your Twitter handle in the review, and we will randomly select one person per week from the Locked On Sports family of podcasts to win a free PFF Edge subscription. That's a $40 value for a free PFF Edge subscription. That's profootballfocus.com. It's simply the best when it comes to signature stats and, and going into the game deeper and, and really next generation stats is what these guys offer. So profootballfocus.com, enter today for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription. All right, let's get into the meat of this episode today and talk about the film study from the game on Sunday, the 20-6 to loss at the New York Jets, something none of us really saw coming. I don't think anyone could say that they, even Jets fans, thought that they were going to win that game. But uh, as you guys know, I chart quarterbacks on film. I do it from my website, thirdand10.com. Every week there's a wrap-up of all the quarterbacks around the league with GIFs, film notes, scouting notes, all that good stuff that I do. But I charted Jay Cutler first. He's done already, and it, it wasn't pretty. I, I post a lot of them on Twitter. You can follow me there, at Wingfield NFL. Post a lot of those GIFs on Twitter of him throwing high or behind or out in front or fading away off of his back foot. He just had several off-target throws, and depending on how you would classify those based on the scheme or the, or the route or the receiver, I would say there were seven or eight throws out of his 40. Or Actually, I didn't even chart all 40 because I don't, I don't mess with garbage time, so that last drive didn't count on the grade, but of the 33 or 34 throws or so that he had, seven or eight of those were just horrifically off. And that's not how you win a game playing quarterback. And I mean, you can mask your quarterback, you can hide as much as you want, but in this game you can't really do that because the Dolphins' offense wasn't going, and Jay Cutler was just as much to blame as anybody else in the offense in this game. Fading away off that back foot, slopping mechanics. I've never really seen a quarterback that throws so much from two planted feet. I mean, I mean, if you played baseball when you were a kid, and everyone kind of did and learned this, was that you step and throw, right, with the opposite foot. He was throwing from two planted feet for most of the game. It's really strange to see, kind of stares down those quick slants or quick patterns and just kind of whips it with his arm rather than, you know, stepping into the throw and driving it. And if you saw some of the games this weekend, excuse me, there was a play where Tyrod Taylor uh, fled to the left of the pocket and he whips his hips open and chucks that ball and the, the drive leg comes around. It's just really pretty looking mechanics. Well, Jay Cutler doesn't really focus on those mechanics. You know, the whole Jay Cutler doesn't care thing comes from somewhere and it comes from those sloppy mechanics or his lack of emotion after wins or losses or whatever it is that's going on. And I think you saw that in this game. I know that the team was had a lot of things going on around it, but Jay Cutler's effort, just not good in a lot of areas. And on a film, it definitely was not good either. As for the receivers in the game, he did not get a lot of help from those guys either. Jarvis Landry had a really bad day. A couple of drops. He retreated on that one play. They had a first down on second down, came back across the first down marker, loses the first down. The Dolphins end up not converting on third down and give the ball back over to the Jets. So just a bad day from Jarvis Landry. He was showing up as quarterback by throwing his arms up in the air, waving him off. He actually took himself out of the game for one play after Jay Cutler. It was a bad pass. It was a terrible throw. Don't get me wrong but it missed him in the end zone for an easy touchdown, and he takes himself out of the game. And on the very next play, Leontay Carew runs a little route where he kind of takes it to the five-yard mark and sticks it outside, and he's supposed to sit down in the zone because the Jets are clearly in zone coverage. And rather than sitting down in that zone, he keeps running the route, and Jay Cutler throws it behind him. That's a play that if Jarvis Landry's in there, I have to imagine he runs the right route, makes the catch, we convert that first down, and then it's a 20-7 to ball game eventually, opposed to being 20 to nothing. So... You're playing bad, you show up your quarterback, take yourself out of the game, you cost your team even more. Just a bad day for Jarvis Landry on tape, didn't look good. Kenny Stills, very similar. He didn't come back to the football in a couple of routes, just kind of hung back when he could have came back to the ball. 
And it's pretty obvious on tape to see that where he's just fading into his routes and not really putting a lot of effort in there. I, I wonder how much he was distracted because he's kind of the focal point of this, him and Michael Thomas kind of the focal point of this whole anthem thing, which, as I said, we vow we're never going to talk about on this podcast. Julius Thomas also had a bad day. I mean, that's nothing new. He, he got relegated down in snap counts towards the end of the game. He was almost 100% participant last game. This game he comes out and he gets about 50%. And that's because of his play. He's, he's just not that good of a player. I've been saying this for a while. The Dolphins took a risk on him. It didn't work out. It's time to kind of move on from that and move towards Anthony Fasano, who I thought had a pretty good game in his own right, too. The offensive line, it wasn't a pretty game. Juwan James was decent. I wouldn't say great, but he was decent in this game. Jermon Bushrod was just kind of there. He didn't really impress either way. And then the other three were just absolutely atrocious. Laramie Tunzel, Mike Pouncey, and the combination of Anthony Steen and Jesse Davis. Not a good game for those two either. So offense as a whole, just crumple this one up, throw it away, and move on to the next one. It was a bad game. As for the defense, Cam Wake and Ndamukong Su, fantastic again as always. I still can't quite fathom why Cam Wake doesn't get the second sack on the one that they credited to Andre Branch. He he beats Brandon Shell around the edge, rips underneath him, and forces Josh McCown up into the pocket. Kind of hits him on the hip. McCown starts to go down, falls right into Andre Branch, and Andre Branch gets credit for the sack. So Cam Wake really had two sacks in the day. Several other pressures was a great was a great force in that game. And Dominican Sue does what he always does. It just kind of blows them up across their face or, you know, with double teams. He d- does everything very well, did it in this game as well. Devon Godshow has another terrific game for himself. He's really piling up good games on top of good games for himself if you date back to the preseason. So it looks like the Dolphins got themselves a fine there. I thought Vincent Taylor played just fine in, in uh, Jordan Phillips' absence, so no real fall off there, maybe in depth a little bit, but he played well. I think the Dolphins are really set up nicely at the defensive tackle position when they, with Devon Godshow and Vincent Taylor and then Jordan Phillips coming back so, and then obviously Ndamukong Sue. So that's a good sign. This Dolphins defensive line has been very good so far. The run defense is much better. The linebackers, I mentioned Lawrence Hammond's coming back and kind of how Kiko Alonso has been struggling in, in zone coverage, and it's it's really apparent on tape. He's just kind of lost out there. He's not getting proper depth. He's not getting his proper reads or keys, and he's just kind of floating around in no man's land and getting picked apart in that way. Mike Hole kind of had a stinker of a game. Not much support, or not much help in run support, and obviously not a great cover guy either. Chase Allen had another good game, I thought, in this one. He might earn himself the third role now that uh, Lawrence Timmons is back and Mike Hole might get relegated back to the bench. We'll see what happens with that. Moving back into the secondary, <laughs> Byron Maxwell is just a train wreck at this point. Any in-breaking route that he has to deal with is an issue. And if you follow Ian Wharton on Twitter, he's a great follow. It's at NFL Film Study. He does a lot of good stuff with corners and defensive backs and as well as quarterbacks and just other things in general. I think he started off as a Dolphins guy too, so he's a good follow. But he talks about how the crossing routes are really almost impossible routes to cover these days. But any in-breaking stuff, whether it's a skinny post or a hit, uh, excuse me, a slant, a dig, those crossers, any of that stuff, he really struggles to deal with just kind of gives out the outside leverage and then tries to hang on for a tackle. And it's, you know, that's kind of pathetic effort as well most of the time too. So I was calling for Alter on Werner. I got what I wished for and I wish I didn't call for it because he got burned badly by Robbie Anderson on that 69-yard touchdown pass. I think he only had like eight or nine snaps in the game. And it was just like, I mean, you come out there for less than 10 snaps and you give up 69 yards on one play. Not a good not a good situation for him. I think it's time to see what Cordrea Tankersley can do. Throw him into the fire, just like he did last year with Tony Lippett. They brought Tony Lippett off the bench in that week four game at Cincinnati to deal with A.J. Green. 
and he did okay. It wasn't his best game, but he had some moments, and he ended up becoming a, a contributing player for the rest of the year. I think they didn't do that with Cordray Tankersley. Just get Byron Maxwell off the field. Alteron Werner already had his shot and lost it. So let's go with Tankersley, make him active for this game, start getting him in some reps, even start him. That's what I would do, but we'll see what that happens with what happens with the cornerback position. But right now, something's got to change. That's going to be an issue going forward. The Dolphins are going to have to make some moves in the offseason, probably there once again. Back to the, the safeties behind the second or in the back part of the secondary. Nate Allen has been an absolute train wreck through two games. Just communication issues, not really being in the right spot, not really a lot of athleticism. He drops a you know a pick in the first game. He's just kind of back there making, not really making anything happen. Rashad Jones a little bit more rust, but still not really that worried about it. He still makes a few plays. He gets those tackled for losses about once every game you see. So it's nice to see him doing that again. But I think that his his counterpart there, not having Issa Abdul Kadus and having Nate Allen instead, is really kind of making life tough on him, especially in that communication department. We saw in, in the first game when Byron Maxwell's lined up inside on the tight end and and the and Keenan Allen motions out past him and Maxwell jumps inside and you see Rashad saying, get out there, get out there. He doesn't get out there. Keenan Allen makes a huge third down conversion catch and Rashad Jones is throwing his hands up in the air and doing the whole slap and asking him what's going on with that play. So secondary has some major issues show up in this game the the big touchdown I think was really kind of the final nail in the coffin even though it only made the game 10 nothing and still in the second quarter if they don't allow that I you know the Jets weren't really doing a good job of of finishing off drives and, and sustaining good long drives at that point of the game you maybe get out of there down three nothing or down six nothing at worst if that long play doesn't happen and then it's a different opportunity for the team before the half and then going into the locker room getting the ball in the second half so Secondary got to get better. The linebackers got to get better. Offensive lines got to get better. Receivers got to do better. The quarterback has to do better. Not a lot of good stuff to see from this game. Follow me on Twitter, like I said, at Wingfield NFL. I got a lot of gifs on there right now of the bad plays from the game. Not much good to see, except for the Cam Wake tweets that I had. Those were fun to see. That guy's just not really human anymore at this point, I don't think, or if he ever was. So good to see him still producing. But that's going to do it for today's show, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. And uh, check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Also, don't forget to write that review for Pro Football Focus for a chance to win a free Edge subscription. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Fins, and check out thirdand10.com back for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We will preview the game in London against the New Orleans Saints Sunday at 9.30 Eastern time. Check back tomorrow for that for your daily dose of Dolphins football. Fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.